Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us again this week. A lot to talk about. Joe Biden has announced a censorship program of American citizens. Seems to me big news. Plus, Judicial Watch is on both sides of Capitol Hill testifying for the rule of law to preserve and protect free and fair elections. I've got some updates there for you on top of new information from the Veterans Administration showing how CRT intersects with the vaccination program of the federal government on top of adverse event reports uh, related to the COVID vaccine that we've uh, uncovered and I want to talk to you about, including, again, new developments on censorship targeting Judicial Watch. Uh, First up is, the I'm going to go back and talk about uh, the Biden White House's announcement this week that it and its agencies would uh, pressure Facebook and other big tech companies to censor misinformation. Now, do they say they word censorship? No, uh, but it's pretty clear they want misinformation, information they deem unhelpful to whatever political cause they're pursuing, in this case, specifically uh, mass vaccination, uh, to be taken down uh, by Facebook. Now, of course, the government is, in theory, not allowed to do it directly, so they think they can get away with it by pressing and pressuring social media to take down content they don't like. In fact, Jen- um, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Psaki, uh, who is the White House spokesperson, a sharp person uh, and always very careful with her words, made it clear, to at least based on what I saw, that they were going to highlight specific posts that should be suppressed and censored by Facebook. Can you believe it? You know, we knew or had an inkling that this was going on behind the scenes. Uh, And now it's been confirmed that the federal government officially has gone to war against the First Amendment, and they want to use big tech as their cutouts to suppress free speech related to not only just COVID. When you look at the material that's been released by the administration, They're basically going after anything that questions the scientific consensus on various issues. And when they're talking about public health, the less version of public health means, in my view, guns, climate change. They're trying to pretend everything they want to do is tied to public health. So isn't that convenient? And of course, they manufacture and highlight alleged scientific consensus on all of those issues. So right now, the censorship is focused on COVID, uh, vaccines, uh, and it's going to go beyond that. It already covers election integrity. It covers other issues that are sensitive uh, to the revolutionary left and the partisan left. Uh, It used to be, though, there was at least plausible deniability that the government and politicians weren't involved in this. Now, Joe Biden has alerted the American people and admitted that he wants this material taken down. 
So this escalates the constitutional and legal issues concerning big tech regulation and alleged moderation, as they call it, of content. Coincidentally, on the day that this new process or this new censorship push was announced, Judicial Watch's materials related to documents about adverse event reports tied to by COVID was suppressed and censored by Facebook, a fact checker organization, a left wing fact checker organization associated with Facebook, didn't like our material and said it was missing context. And I'm going to go over the material now with you. We received 75 pages of documents from the Veterans Administration, the VA. So these weren't our documents. These were VA documents. And we carefully and, and um, accurately described the documents, which included uh, uh, adverse event reports that the VA collected, I guess, among veterans who received the COVID-19 uh, uh, vaccine shots. According to the documents, there were 895 reports of serious events. These events include events where death, hospitalization, and or life-threatening event is marked as the outcome. And there were 24,585,000 non-serious events. The charts detail a total of 20 cardiac arrests, 36 strokes, 15 cases of deep vein, deep vein thrombosis, 10 heart attacks, and 19 pulmonary embolisms were reported for employees and veterans who took one of the three vaccines. Johnson & Johnson vaccine adverse event reports include five cerebrovascular event accidents, four cases of deep vein thrombosis, and three pulmonary embolisms for veteran patients. Moderna's vaccine adverse event report uh, reports included 15 cardiac arrests, 17 cerebrovascular events, accidents, five cases of deep vein, deep vein thrombosis, five myocardial infarctions, and seven pulmonary embolisms for veteran patients. Employees who took the vaccine reportedly suffered five cerebrovascular accidents, four cases of deep vein thrombosis, two myocardial infarctions, and two pulmonary embolisms. The Pfizer vaccine events reports included five cardiac arrests, 10 cerebrovascular accidents, one case of deep vein thrombosis, three myocardial infarctions, and seven pulmonary embolisms for veterans' patients. There was one case of deep vein thrombosis in the employee. So according to the VA, they sent us a cover letter with these documents. They send these reports on to the FDA's CDC VAERS database, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And then allegedly this sort of stuff is put up there. But of course, they didn't give us some of the underlying data that is typically made publicly available on the VAERS report. So we don't know what was sent or if it was really sent. So what was the complaint about this? Well, we didn't provide context that these reports don't necessarily mean there's a casual link a causal link specifically, excuse me, causal, meaning because there was a reported adverse event, it doesn't mean the vaccine caused it. It's mere present or being reported to the Veterans Administration doesn't mean it caused it. Well, first of all, the documents that we received don't say that. And that's an argument. It's not a fact. They wanted us to include that context. In fact, we linked, linked to the VAERS database, which describes that. 
So in response, Facebook suppressed her post. They labeled it and suppressed it. It's effectively being censored as a result of this fact check cutout, which uh, to um, which targeted Judicial Watch. By the way, this same organization responded to the Secretary of State of Iowa, it looks like, and Facebook did, in censoring another Judicial Watch post about dirty voting rolls in Iowa. So this is the second time we've been targeted by this organization with an unfair fact check. Because what we set, let out, put out there was fat, was was accurate. They said, unless we put in this caveat that just because it's on the database doesn't mean the vaccine caused it, it's lacking context. A, that's not what the documents say. B, they're talking about another database that these reports aren't from. These are from the Veterans Administration. What they don't like is the fact that this information exists. The American people can see and judge for themselves whether they should be concerned about these reports being uh, reported as it's tied to the vaccine. There's a reason this information is public. There's a reason it's public. And they don't like it, so they're going to try to suppress it if we don't put in an argument. And it is an argument. It's not a fact. It's, it's, it's an argument trying to diminish the significance of the reports. Does each report that's put in there, A, is it, it do we know it's accurate? No. Do we know it's uh, specifically tied to the uh, reaction to the vaccine? No, that's rather obvious. But the purpose of the reporting system is to provide a barometer. And if you get a lot of, quote, something other than background noise, I think it's fair to say, in these event reports, there should be cause for concern, both among the public, who is the first and most important group in terms of educating, being educated about this, and government officials who have separate responsibilities to follow up. So this suppression coincidentally happens the day the Biden, and of course they've been doing this for several weeks, it's pretty clear, and now they've publicly acknowledged it. The Biden administration has acknowledged they're telling Facebook to target posts. That's what Saki said yesterday. And our post gets dinged the same day. So to be clear, for all you censors, you left-wing hacks attacking Judicial Watch, the fact there's an adverse event tied to a vaccine, we know, of course, it doesn't mean necessarily the vaccine caused it, but it raises questions. And the more adverse events, the more questions. That's the purpose of the system. And stop trying to diminish it and telling people don't believe your own eyes when you're looking at these materials. We accurately reported it and they're trying to attack us for accurately putting out their government documents. Read them yourself. Believe me, we are investigating 
whether the Biden administration is behind the censorship of Judicial Watch. We already know other government agencies have abused their authority to target Judicial Watch for censorship through big tech. And I suspect that Judicial Watch is on the Biden administration watch list, the Biden administration's enemies list. I have no doubt about it. Because we know Judicial Watch is effective. We know Judicial Watch is the largest watchdog group in the country and the most widely supported and widely followed watchdog group in the country. Of course, we're on their enemies list. We've been targeted by the California Secretary of State, the Iowa Secretary of State, Republicans and Democrats. And our post gets targeted and dinged the day the Biden administration announced this massive censorship program. I don't believe in coincidences. What the fact checkers didn't fact check, because not that there was anything to fact check because we were quoting government documents, was the fact that there was CRT wording in the vaccine plan for veterans. It was a race-based decision-making on the allocation of health resources by the Veterans Administration. And if you think I'm overstating it, let me read you a quote from the document. There's a whole section called Addressing Health Inequities. Inequities, of course, is is a communist dog whistle. Inequality is the American word. Inequities is the Marxist word. The section titled Addressing Health Inequities reports that the COVID vaccine allocations were prioritized to persons of color in part because of social injustices. This is the quote. National U.S. data show that COVID-19 has disproportionately affected persons of color. This is attributed to social injustices that create a higher disease burden and shorter lifespan in this population. Attributed this partly to the concept of weathering, that lifelong exposure to the distresses of racial disparity and injustice manifests and greater physical and psychological disease burden and less ready access to quality health care and health-related resources. So they allege there's systemic racism and that it hurts um, people of color because it stresses them out and hurts their health. How is that not critical race theory? Now, they do acknowledge that as merely being Black or Hispanic or Native American does not cause one to more easily. I just love how they put Blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans into one batch. As if, A, all Blacks are the same as all other Blacks, all Hispanics are the same as, uh, it, there's this uh, unifying Hispanic race and a, and a unifying Indian American race. Does, is Senator Warren included in that list of Indian Americans? This racialism is an anathema to our American system. 
mean, I, it feels like we're in the early part of the century where they were you had scientists measuring cranial uh, skull measurements and drawing conclusions based on that among the racists and things. I mean, it, it's racism in its most base form. It's awful. And this is the intellectual left and the political left that is promoting it. Again, rather the lifetime social disadvantages experienced by persons of color make them more likely to have health problems that predispose them to contract SARS-COVID-2, which is COVID-19 or coronavirus. Thus, these individuals will be prioritized for vaccination. So they were using race-based uh, I mean, race decision-making not based on specific health issues, but based purely on the color of their skin. Again, not using science, but using a political analysis that Black people face systemic racism and are less healthy because of it. That's, that's, not, that's not science. That's not science at all. So I'd like to know which veterans were denied access to medication or the vaccine based on race and whether they died as a result. I'd like to know that. Do you think the government will do a study on that? I doubt it. I doubt it. But this shows you how pernicious and dangerous critical race theory is dangerous to the public health. It's dangerous to your health. It is pernicious and pervasive. And you can see it's infected the Veterans Affairs Administration in a dramatic fashion. And you have to wonder what other healthcare decisions are made in allocating resources to veterans. What, what other race-based healthcare decisions are made in allocating resources to veterans? Are certain races denied access to healthcare in a timely way based on their race? Well, it's the proof the proof is here. It's true. It happened for COVID. I mean, the left says that, um, I mean, certainly, uh, if you're of a certain age, uh, vaccines ought to be part of your, ought to be strongly considered. And many veterans are of a certain age. <laughs> so this had a disproportionate impact on the community most likely to benefit from the vaccines because of the severe, the much more severe risk they have if they catch COVID. Well, that's what they tell us, right? But no, they're going to let race get in the way of helping an elderly person seemingly or someone who is otherwise able or should be able to access the vaccine, tell them to get to the back of the line based on their race. This is what the documents show. So my insight as I talk about this is, boy, it helps explain why they don't like our release. You got to wonder if the suppression is more about the fact we expose critical race theory and racism at the VA in 
depriving people of timely access to medication, and namely the vaccines, as opposed to this petty bickering over semantics about how we describe advance, adverse events related, reported, uh, tied to the vaccines. They want to explain away the adverse events, and that's fine. That's a debate. People debate the, the validity and the usefulness of the adverse event reports, but that's a debate. And to suppress us because we didn't present one-sided debate in a way advocates wanted, it's contrary to any, any notion of free speech. And now we know the Biden administration is pulling the strength behind the scenes. Well, actually behind the scenes, they've admitted they're pulling the strength. So every time you hear Facebook, you can, and, and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, presume it's Joe Biden running the show. So all that censorship that you're going to be suffering, you can talk, it's Joe Biden. Because he admitted he's pushing it. He should be held accountable for it. And I think he will through the courts. Man, I'm mad about this. I'm so mad, I don't even know what I'm supposed to talk about next. Oh, of course, another another outrage, which is the uh, talk about systemic uh, systematic uh, systemic attacks. It's the systemic attack on election integrity. I talked about Joe Biden's speech last week, where he accused those of us who support voter ID of. Um, being criminals who should be treated like uh, the losing side or, or the Confederates during the Civil War. Dangerous, dangerous rhetoric. Reprehensible. And uh, the Supreme Court issued a, uh, <laughs> a technical knockout type of a blow to the left's tsunami of harassing lawsuits challenging virtually every effort by any state to modestly increase the security of elections and minimize the impact of voter fraud. Attacking voter ID, modest modest uh, changes to uh, voting by mail, which I think should, practically speaking, be eliminated. But that's not good enough for the left even when Republicans support enshrining vote-by-mail changes that they complained about last year as being improper, the left then complains about that. So as you may know, Judicial Watch has been front and center trying to protect election integrity. We are the leading group, I would say privately, trying to defend the rule of law in elections. We've sued states to get states to clean up the rolls. We have a settlement with L.A. County in the state of California that's requiring L.A. County to clean up up to 1.6 million names from its rolls. That's the information YouTube wanted suppressed and the California Secretary of State wanted suppressed and censored and YouTube censored. We've got three pending lawsuits, one against North Carolina, one against Pennsylvania, one against Colorado to get them to clean up the rolls. We've defended voter ID in court. We have a lawsuit in Georgia over the way it handled the election. 
and specific efforts to attack Trump for raising questions about the election. Now, I see there are new developments this week raising questions about votes in Fulton County and how Arizona managed its elections. All that's important. So the left in response to all of this is desperate to kind of try to short circuit uh, the state's efforts, which have been ratified by the Supreme Court as legitimate and principled, uh, to uh, ensure election security. And the way they want to do that is by passing one or two laws, or they'll take either one, that would severely restrict states' abilities to uh, to manage their own elections and to uh, implement security measures such as voter ID to secure people's votes. And, and the laws are even broader than that. I've talked about them at length, but I encourage you to look up the concerns that we and others have about the various laws at HR1, and I think it's HR4, SB1 in the Senate. So, this, so the uh, Democrats have been um, uh, accelerating um, the efforts to push us out. The, the Biden speech was a part of that. And they had two hearings on the Hill this week, and one in the House and one in the Senate. And Judicial Watch, our attorneys testified at both hearings. So I tell you, I, I am, you know, how proud, <laughs> I can't tell you how proud I am of our team. Uh, and how excited I am that we're able to have the capacity, thanks to your support, and um, have the record of leadership, so that it is recognized that we need that they need Judicial Watch's expertise to explain the law and principles to members of Congress as they consider this legislation. Bob Popper, who is uh, a veteran of the Justice Department, and runs our election and voting integrity law effort. And his associate, another senior attorney at Judicial Watch, Russ Nilbu. Russ had also been at the Justice Department. He actually enforced the laws. Bob enforced these laws. And he, they both saw up front how partisan and left wing the Justice Department was in its handling of the laws related to voting at the federal level. And so uh, Bob testified over on the House. And uh, Russ Nobile testified at the Senate. Russ testified at the House, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, and I encourage you to go and watch their testimony. Why? Because, you know, you hear me talk about stuff all the time. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not nearly as smart as I don't look. And so um, I encourage you to go and listen to Bob's testimony and Russ's testimony because, A, they have legal analysis and experience that I can't hope to match. And of course, because they're so smart, they have ways of describing these issues that are uh, uh, intriguing and uh, deft and enlightening uh, that you're going to you're just going to want to see it. And the nice thing about the hearings is that you can fast forward to when our folks testify so you can, um, uh, uh, you know, cut out the stuff you don't want to listen to. And some of the material that we, I have some of it here. I'm going to read it to you a little bit because I think it's worth sharing uh, about what they testified about. Now, you know, the fun part is the stuff where they ask, ask, qu answer questions. So this is from the written testimony. 
But this is why I just why I'm so excited that Judicial Watch was given this opportunity to educate millions of Americans about election integrity. For instance, Bob Popper in his notes in his prepared remarks said, you know, one hears and large news outlets dutifully report that there is a tsunami of legislation, quote, restricting the right to vote, that states reforming their mail-in voting laws as COVID retreats are engaged in, quote, voter suppression, and that even these actions represent the, quote, new Jim Crow. These claims are preposterous. At best, they reveal a startling historic, historical ignorance. The grandfather laws, absurd literacy tests, poll taxes, intimidation, and terroristic violence of the Jim Crow era have nothing to do, have nothing whatsoever to do with, say, Ohio's restriction of early voting from 35 to 29 days or with limiting same-day registration, nor do they have anything to do with the regulating with regulating absentee ballots, out-of-precinct voting, or voter ID requirements. All reasonable electoral integrity measures approved by the Carter-Baker Commission, which was a joint commission from back in the day by two uh, Democrats, former president and James Baker and the big Republican Puba. At worst, these statements reveal a startling cynicism driven by a desire to inflame passions and to raise funds. Those who talk this way are being irresponsible. And Russ Nobile said, um, you know, he, he looked at the historical evidence and he said, Russ, uh, Russ said, data, not pop culture, nor hyperbole from those that oppose race neutral election integrity laws tells the true story of ballot access in America to objectively evaluate whether racial minorities have an equal opportunity to participate in the electoral process, you, may, you must look at racial registration and turnout data. Looking at the most race, recent data, the opportunity to participate in, is exponentially better now than it was in 1965. Based on this data, it's hard to contend that Section 5 needs to be expanded as proposed in the HR4 registration. By Section 5, he's referencing the Section uh, Section 5 of the Voter Rights Act, uh, which uh, allows, uh, which requires uh, certain oversight over election issues, voting issues related to minorities. Current data shows that Black registration has completely rebounded, in some instances exceeds white registration rates. In fact, the data shows that eight years after Shelby County, registration disparities in Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi, all previously covered in whole or part by Section 5, which, by the way, was largely gutted by the Supreme Court because the basis for Section 5 was to police uh, the Democrat slave states uh, from uh, to, to make sure that uh, blacks at that time in 65 forward could vote on an equal basis as whites. So the disparities are all below the national average in these in like places like Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi. So the interesting thing is the disparities in California, New York, Connecticut, and Delaware and Virginia are worse. In fact, the four biggest registration disparities where white registration most exceeds black registration are, are found in Massachusetts, Wisconsin, Oregon, and Colorado all of which President Biden won in 2020. So, and Russ went on to say in answering, in answering questions, he said, you know, if you're looking at those issues, a place like Massachusetts is ground is patient zero for racial disparity and voter registration. But of course, that's not what the left cares about. 
They want to use these laws uh, to uh, make it nearly impossible for any state, particularly states that have uh, that they've been not be able to win where they think they should win uh, to have security measures. Why do I think they oppose security measures? I think personally because they want to be able to steal elections when necessary. And the idea, and the court, Supreme Court highlighted this, that you need voter fraud uh, or proof of extensive voter fraud in order to protect against voter fraud doesn't make any sense. They said you don't have to wait for an election to be stolen in order to stop it, uh, to put in some measures to keep it from being stolen. And as Bob pointed out in his testimony, they want us to believe that no one cheats in elections, practically speaking. Bob pointed out, uh, he, he, uh, he, he confessed in a joking way, he cheats in solitaire. <laughs> You're playing against yourself and you still cheat. And we're not supposed to believe voter fraud is, uh, is, is significant. And of course, you know, if it's your vote that's being stolen, even one case of voter fraud to me is a civil rights, has, has an issue of urgency as it relates to civil rights. So Judicial Watch um, is uh, on the ball and on the march in favor of the rule of law for clean elections. We're facing a crisis. They want to undo virtually every clean election law in the country. They would, they would uh, under this legislation and their agenda, you know, which goes beyond legislation because they would use the courts to do this as well. They would ban all voter ID impose valid harvesting, undermine the very notion of election day beyond what we're already facing. And it's so bad, and I, I think this is a broader issue. I'm convinced the left is not only trying to undermine election security, they're just trying to end elections as we know it. They don't like campaigns. They don't like having to go before voters. So they're going to come up with a process that effectively takes the guts out of consent of the governed through elections. Well, we'll have elections that last for months. We'll have voting that counts that last for months. The idea that you go to vote at election day and that you're confirmed to be eligible and you're confirmed to be a citizen and your vote is taken and counted on that day, anything less than that undermines confidence that people have in elections and should uh, be frowned upon. That's my personal view. And of course, you know, any, any, even if you, if the left doesn't want an inch, they want a mile and anything less than a mile, they will scream about. So I encourage you again, we'll put links to uh, Russ and uh, uh, Bob's testimony below, uh, but we're on it when it comes to election integrity. I know it's a key issue. Uh, Judicial Watch has been a leader in, for years on it, and we will continue to lead of course, with your support. So have a wonderful week, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.